everyone, and thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte, and I am joined today, freshly out of the Vegas show I checked out at the Super Beast Training Compound, Otto Von Clutch. How are we doing? Yabra, Kadabra, hanging tin, catching waves, and talking to babes. It is O-double-T-O, Otto Von Clutch, hanging out with your boy on the Indie Wrestling Handshake Podcast, Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast, whatever it may be, it's just going to be a fun, fun evening. Kick back, grab your drink, grab your blunt. Let's get things going. Absolutely, sir. And let's also go ahead and start off by promoting your show that you are promoting. That is right. Training Center. That, that is right. Uh, June 10th at the Super Beast Training Compound. Otto Von Clutch is going to present to you guys Not Your Wave Volume 1. What this entitles is basically uh, in the past seven years of me being on the uh, the indies, I've seen a lot of different guys that I, I, I've kind of caught an eye on for certain individuals that maybe haven't uh, gotten quite big of a push as I believe that they should have. So you're going to see some guys on there that I believe that are going to be uh, new to a lot of people. Um, I believe that we'll be able to have this show live on Twitch, but that's not confirmed at the moment. Um, but it is going to be streaming. I mean, it probably will be on Twitch. We'll be real. But we would love to have everyone come down to the Super Beast Training Compound on Thursday, June 10th, and check it out. Uh, I mean, how I said, I, I believe that this show is going to have a lot of talent that a lot of people haven't seen, but they're going to be blown away because I believe that every match, I believe everybody on that card is uh, – NXT, AEW, WWE, New Japan. I believe that they're all qualified for that. So I'm really excited to bring, uh, I don't want to say nothing new because nothing new is in wrestling. Everything in wrestling has been forgotten and now it's been recreated. But I believe that we're going to bring a different product, uh, just a fun product. You, you checked it out this past Saturday. You know the Super Beast Training Compound. We're about to kick things off nonstop. I mean, I can literally list off days and dates and dates and dates of shows that we're going to have. But basically what we're trying to do is just uplift the wrestling community here in Las Vegas and bring entertainment to the fans, not necessarily wrestling fans. Because as you see, we had uh, Penny Poison doing some little acts. We had uh, a good old, I think his name is uh, Killmeister, I believe it is. He was doing some freak show shit. So it's just like a variety show, man. Like, So Not Your Wave is just going to be fucking... A mix of a variety show. We're going to have some freak show shit happening there, too. And then we're going to just be banging in fucking some hard-hitting action. Uh, we have six bouts that night. And then two days later, at the Super Beast Training Compound, June 12th, No Styles Barred, where we got Brian Cage, and we got just another stacked roster for that night. So it's just exciting. Yeah, I got Brian Cage versus the Super Beast, as I like to call it, the meat match, because that is a whole lot of beef going on in that ring. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that match is just, uh, I know they've, they've, they've competed with each other before, and I believe that the grudge and the, and the, uh, the hard-hitting action is just going to keep uh, accumulating every time they meet. I believe that it's not going to change on June 12th. We're going to see probably the most craziest strong style, two fucking bruisers going at it, and uh, it's going to be exciting. And then I will be wrestling on June 12th, Crystal White, uh, which is Super Beast's uh, manager. So it's going to be a lot of uh, excitement there. You know what I mean? She's she's someone not to sleep on either. She's a badass chick. So I'm excited for that. And it's just, it's nonstop, bro. Shit is just popping off here in Las Vegas. Well, let's go ahead and take a trip back in time, back to little OVC's life and learn about, you grew up in Hawaii? 
Bro, I, I I wish I grew up in Hawaii, man. I ain't gonna lie to the listeners, man. I grew up in California. I lived in Cal. I was born in California, born in Pomona on April third, nineteen ninety, and uh, I lived in California for a lot of my younger childhood, and then moved to fucking Utah for a little while, and then went back to California. And fuck, I feel like I've lived every single uh, city in Southern California. I feel like I hit them all. So I've been yeah. to at least I live at least lived in like 15, 20 different cities when I was a kid. We traveled a lot and was always moving and going to different cities and shit like that. So uh no, I'm not from Hawaii. I wish I was. My manager though, the Royal Hawaiian, she is from Hawaii. And I have wrestled in Honolulu and it was a fucking blast. I mean, Hawaii is gorgeous. So anytime you can get a trip to go to Hawaii, I always recommend to go to fucking Hawaii. But no, that's a false. That's the first false one right there is the, the <laughs> Hawaii. We just yeah. broke it. K Fabe's dead, brother. Anyway, <laughs> uh, how did you, uh, how, what was your experience with wrestling growing up? I believe you had a, a, a pretty big influence in wrestling, correct? Oh, man. I just like, yeah, like when I was growing up, wrestling was always in my life. I feel like from a pretty young age, I remember like being maybe three years old, maybe 93, 94. And seeing, uh, I think my cousin was watching like Bret Hart versus Yoko or something like that. I kind of have memories of that. But then really, it kicks off in fucking 98. You know, my grandma bought me an Over the Edge uh, VHS with like Dude Love versus fucking Stone Cold. And man, I watched that VHS so much. And then I got another VHS of WrestleMania 14. And then fucking, you know how that, it all goes. It was the Attitude Era, man. It was Sunday Night Heat. It was Monday Night Raw. Freaking, you know, Tuesday night SmackDown and Thursday night SmackDown, whatever it was at the time. And man, it was just like for anyone at that time, like wrestling was so huge. I mean, to think that a Monday Night Raw back in, you know, 98 was drawn, I think like 18, 19 million, you know, viewers. Uh, everyone was watching wrestling, you know. So that was really when wrestling got in my life at a young age of about, you know, I said a little baby. And then around seven or eight, I really remember watching it all the time. And then going to my first indie show, well, I didn't even know what it was, but it was an indie show. It was in Cedar City, Utah, and I believe it was a, a show that I believe. Now, I've talked to a few guys about this show that, like, I, you know, that were wrestling when I was younger that have been in Utah. And I believe it was a UPW show, but they had guys from, uh, from Tough Enough. They were there. And I honestly believe possibly John Cena was there when I was like, fucking really, this was, I was really young. This was in Cedar city, Utah. And then later on, I went to another indie show. About what uh, year do you think it was? This was probably, man, I'm going to have to say Oh one or Oh two. That's possible. 02. He could have been the prototype at that time. Yeah. He, yeah he was definitely the prototype at that time. Because I talked to a few guys and they were like, dude, I'm pretty sure that the show that you saw when you were a kid, I'm pretty sure Cena was there. And I'm like, he probably was. I just remember like being a young kid and like all these dudes were fucking huge. And I'm just like, fuck, like I got to get big. You know, I want to get big. It's like, that's how you get, you know, that's as a young kid, you're looking at these dudes just all badass. And of course I never got to that fucking stature of my body. We're getting there, but it's just like, you know, it's just crazy, man. Because you talked about it before we went on the air. Like, oh, we'll mention some indie shows. I'm like, man, I don't really remember going to any, but then I have. And then I also went to a UPW show in 2004 back in uh, Anaheim, California, which was a fucking fire show, dude. They had China, DDP, 
uh, Sean O'Hare, Conan. I mean, everyone was there. Rikishi. It was just the list went on and on. It was a fucking, the Miz was there. It was a stack, stack night. So uh, just, yeah, man, just the crazy indie shows growing up and just watching a lot of wrestling and going to Monday Night Raws here in Las Vegas and, and just I've always loved wrestling, man. And, and it's just crazy. Like wrestling is just, it's so generic, but wrestling has always been in my life. And I've always loved it. So that's just the way it is, man. It's fuck, I think it is for a lot of us. We just, we love it. Um, it's our passion. Uh, I always got to remind myself that wrestling doesn't owe me anything, that I owe wrestling as much as I can give it. You know what I mean? And just try to make it better and more entertaining. And, and how you just said a few moments ago, okay, Fade's dead. I get it. But I really want people to watch wrestling. And I hope that, you know, my matches might not be the most crisp. But I want to make sure that when someone walks away from my match, they might think, was this guy really fucking shooting on this guy? Did this guy have a problem with that guy? Were they really mad at each other? Did this guy really just beat the shit out of this guy? Are they? I, I want those illusions. I want to keep that, you know, and I'm already telling you too much, but I want to keep that, you know, that there. That's kind of my goal is to try to protect it as much as I can because, yeah, everyone knows the secret. But you know what? We're still fucking, I mean <laughs> – you can still get hurt. I've seen so many guys break arms, break legs, break necks. You know, I've literally seen guys break a neck right in front of me. Like, you know, so shit happens. Like you got to be careful, uh, you know, at all costs. Cause how Rikishi always says it only takes 30 seconds. And my other trainer, black Pearl says it only takes three seconds. I mean, it's very quick. You can get hurt as you know, so fast in the ring. So it's just, um, uh, yeah, man, taking me back to those indie days, man. It was always fun going to those indie shows, though, and just and watching all that shit, man. And just now here we are. We're doing it ourselves. We're putting on our own shows and and uh, enjoying every minute of it. And fucking a. Yeah, I've I you know despite the physicality part, of course. Um, just you know, going back to what you were talking about, you know, kayfabe. We were talking about kayfabe's dead, blah blah. blah. But you know. Kayfabe has always has never been a thing in the movie industry, and yet nobody seems to have a problem with that. So, like we know, as I said before in this podcast, we know Robert Downey Jr. is not in a metal suit and flying around. The point is, if something is entertaining enough and is so well done, we forget that while we are watching it. We sit there and we let ourselves be engrossed in the story we are watching. And that is my favorite thing about wrestling, is that you can claim to know all the secrets, you can claim to be smart or whatever, but if wrestling is good... You don't even think about it when you're watching it. No, absolutely. That's right. You it's you nailed it right there on the coffin, man. Fucking A. I mean, exactly. If it's done right, you aren't even thinking about it, man. Like, and I'm very uh storytelling driven. That's my thing. I love telling stories um in and out of the ring. So for the past two years now, I've been doing this thing where I finally found my father. I'm not gonna talk about this asshole too much because he's a fucking asshole, but his name is Tombstone Jesus. Uh, he's my dad. He's fucking, we've been, you know, he's been out there for a long time growing up. My father wasn't always around. He fucking was a rock and roller. And I found out that my dad is a professional wrestler and it all kind of makes fucking sense. So here it is. My dad is in Salt Lake city and uh, we've been going at it for the past two years, man. And Vince Russo, he was fucking turned on by our storylines and shit like that. So he came over and started checking things out and, so he was kind of helping with some ideas with that, which was fucking amazing. And so you can catch all that shit on Fight TV every Thursday under Devotion Championship Wrestling. That's a company based out of Salt Lake City, which has a lot of talent too, man. Just a lot of talent have come in and out of there. And 
and just another territory. It kind of feels like right now that uh, during the pandemic, it really felt like wrestling uh, might have possibly went back to territory days for just a little bit of time because it really felt like you had your Texas area with your certain promoters, and then you had your Vegas, and you have your Utah, and then you have some underground shit happening in, in Southern California that no one really talked about, but it was happening. And then, of course, you have the you know all the shit happening on the East Coast. Really felt like there was just certain areas where some places shut down and some places strived during the pandemic. You know, obviously, no one really strives too hot, but I feel like, you know, the guys that were out there working during that time safely and taking all these fucking COVID tests and all this shit that we had to do to make sure that we entertained the fans, we did it safely. And, and you know, Super Beast, I have to give him a lot of credit because he said something during the pandemic where it was like, hey, if you're a fucking pro, you're going to find a way to fucking still wrestle during this time, you know, like. You can't just sit, you know, sitting is resting or whatever it is. Like, you know, you just got to keep it moving. So I, I thank him a lot for that because and I've mentioned it to him multiple times. Like, fuck, man, I'm so happy you kind of said that shit online because it really kickstarted me. And I moved to Las Vegas. I was living in the area. I was living in Mesquite, Nevada, which is like, you know, an hour and a half from Vegas and fucking moved to move, made the move to Las Vegas, did a little bit of training at FSW training with Symbodia a little bit. And then this thing started cracking with super beast. And I'm like, fuck man. It's like, it's either time to, I know what I see what's going on. I could be part of this. If I want to do it, I got to be part of it now. Cause of course everyone's going to want to be part of this when things are popping. Cause it's going to fucking be happening. Like it's, it's already getting there. You know what I mean? Like we're going to just explode. And so um, I had to jump ship man and say, fuck it. I'm going to go to you know, the compound and, and give all my time and dedication to that. And, and it's been paying off. And as you said earlier, I have now I'm running my very first own show on June 10th. And then June 12th, we have a show. June 19th, we have a show. The 25th, we have a show. We have shows in July. It's just, it's just domino affecting, snowballing. Uh, have bookings for May 22nd and 23rd at the Mandalay Bay. I'll be wrestling for the first time for a company called uh, the Canna Pro Show, I believe it is. So I'll be debuting over there and fuck. I mean, it's just, we just wrestle, man. That's what we do and just have a good time. It's amazing. Time has flown by. Like, you know, I'm 31 right now and I started at 24 and it's just time has gone by quickly and it's still going, you know, it's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. Going back to what you're saying about uh, Super B saying, oh, if you're a pro, you'll, you'll figure out a way. Uh, some of the indie guys I talked to, you know, especially the ones that were wrestling in the earlier 2000s, uh, like right after the indie boom, kind of before the indie boom happened, they're like, oh, these people are complaining. I'm only wrestling in front of five crew guys. He's like, I wrestled in front of nobody in, in houses. We thought there were going to be fans and just nobody showed up. So, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not, you know, hard, but uh, you got to make it work. You know, that's the that's the perseverance. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, we were at WrestleMania. I believe we did a show at the 1010 Collins. Uh, I believe it was 2016. It was WrestleMania Dallas and uh, a fucking stack car, bro. You know, of course, all the Samoan dynasty. I mean, it was a, everyone was there. I mean, Shotzi was on the card. Um, uh, Raquel Rodriguez was on the card. Uh, a lot of people that were in NXT right now were on that card. And honestly, I believe we had like probably 30 people in the audience. If that, that might be a freaking overkill. I mean, there was a hundred thousand people in town, but it's just crazy. Wrestling fans, they're so dedicated and they're so like, Hey, I'm a WWE fan. That's all I watch. Cause I remember I was like that. There was a time 
growing up, like, no, I ain't watching ECW or I'm not watching uh, WCW or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? There was these, I remember how dedicated I was on those things. And that's how a lot of these, you know, wrestling fans are. But on that note, I feel like independent wrestling is just, it's getting so big now. You turn on Fight TV and you can order every single weekend a new pay-per-view or you could log on Twitch and watch Hood Slam and watch different shows that provide, you know, free content all the time. Like, it's so cool to be a wrestling fan and it's even cooler to be a wrestler right now because, you know, like on that note, man, like right now we got next week on AEW, we got the MK Twins, which I trained with, uh, Ashley and Stephanie, which I'm just so stoked to see them now. They're doing their second appearance on Dark this next week. Also, the promoter for uh, Devotion Championship Wrestling, Manny Smith. He used to go by Manny Lemons. Now he's Manny Smith. He's wrestling this week, Seidel. Plus, his wife is on the same card on Elevate with him. And she's wrestling, I believe, Jade. So it's just so cool to me. And then, like, you know, you just got – it's just really cool to see. You got Jacob Fatu, like a guy that I, you know – grew up in this business with and just seeing him doing so well and Seth and everyone just doing good. Like it makes me excited to be around all these guys that are doing good and seeing everyone just, you know, succeeding. Cause that's what this is about. Like, you know, like I, I want to succeed. If this is a business, we all want to succeed, but at the same time, it's healthy to see your friends succeed. Like you want to see that, like, because if no one that is in your group succeeding, well, fuck, there might be, you might be in the wrong group. Well, yeah. I feel like right now in my life, fucking hey everyone is succeeding you know what i mean like so it's it's good you know i'm around the right people right now and and uh it's just really i feel so blessed uh right now in life to be where i'm at and you know shit tomorrow's not promised anything could happen at any time like we found that out on freaking you know march 13th 2020 like shit could change like that so uh, i'm just really grateful for where i'm at right now and i'm super grateful for every individual that has helped me along the way. Uh, if it was, you know, fucking butting heads, if it was fucking, you know, giving good advice, bad advice, whatever it was, everyone that has been with me along this journey or, you know, that's I've seen along this journey is, is part of it. And so I, you know, I appreciate all of it. You know, I really do. Yeah. I, I you mentioned a bit about, uh, you know, everyone hoping everyone succeeds and just as, you know, as an outside perspective an outside you know, periphery where I've been around indie wrestling for a long time, uh, obviously not wrestling in it, but I remember like conversations I've had with wrestlers and just kind of like, you know, observing it. And before, especially in like the earlier 2000s, mid 2000s, indie wrestlers were very like, oh, that guy succeeded. He's not that great. Like, why is, why is it like, it was very much like a lot of times people acted like it was like this, it was like a personal affront to them to see someone that they perceived as less than succeed. And nowadays I feel like everyone's just constantly lifting each other up. Like I see more people like on Twitter actually be like posting exciting things about other wrestlers than they do themselves, which I love. I love seeing that. It's good. You know, we gotta, there has to be that line, I guess. You know, I'm trying to still find that line myself because, you know, you got to fucking, you know, you got to promote ourselves. That's the most important thing. But we got to help promote each other and help grow each other because, you know, there's something that Rikishi taught me uh, very quickly that the will always turns. The Ferris wheel is always turning. And and you never know what you might talk to this group. Uh, I'm sorry, this crew guy. And you might be disrespectful to the guy that's fucking fixing these turnbuckles. But little do you know, that guy fixing that turnbuckle in 18 years, he's going to be the fucking head writer of Monday Night Raw. So it's like, 
you never know who, you know, you just not saying you got to kiss ass because that's not what I'm fucking saying. I'm the yeah, last. But, try to kiss. Having but you got to just have respect and just really try to, um, you just never know who you're going to deal with and what they're going to do down the road. You know what I mean? Like, so just have respect for people. And that's all we, that's how I was trained is to have respect for people and how you said, and it's, it's good. Sometimes you question like, man, that person's there, but you know, Hey, it's good. Let them be there. And you know, let's, it's kind of like Saturday night live. Like to me, like, I think it's great. If, if WWE, like people are leaving. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. It does suck. A lot of people lose their job. I get it. But you had your time. You had your time to collect your check. You had your time to, to prosper. Now we got to just bring in new people. It's just the way it is. It's just life. You know, it's the evolution of life. Cause if we don't bring in new people, how are we going to evolve and how are we going to draw new crowds or how are we going to try it? So you know, it's just crazy. You just never know who, what happens and who you know, and just respect everybody. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. Let's all have respect for each other. We all have bad days, and uh, let's just all try to grow from each other. You know what I mean? It's like we're all in this together. Like, let's just fucking let's just fight through this. You mentioned Rikishi. Uh, you trained at Knox Pro? Yeah, I trained at Knox Pro uh, from 2014 all the way until – Basically, I'd say the very beginning of 2019, uh, trained with Rikishi, uh, Gangrel. He was there for the first about year and a half, maybe a year, year and a half. Uh, Simbodi was there for a few months in the beginning. And then basically Rikishi and Black Pearl, uh, Reno Onawai. He basically, those are my two like main trainers. And then of course, like, you know, you know, going to a wrestling school. Yes, they are your trainers, but there's so many other people along the way that help you. You know, so many other students that give you their body, uh, to, you know, to perform and to practice on. And and so I give a lot of credit to Gisette Marie, to Maverick, Eyes in Disguise, El Presidente, uh, VIP. There's a few people that have really helped me along the way. And just like, it's crazy. A lot of, a lot of respect for Knox Pro and anyone that I, you know, that lives in the West Coast and they want to go to a wrestling school, you know, go to Knox Pro. Or, I mean, there's so many schools right now and there's so many good schools so, you know, wherever you're at, just find a good school in your area and, and, you know, capitalize that. I know that right now at the Super Beast Training Compound, I'm not a trainer by any means, but uh, Dark Sheik, she is the head trainer. She uh, runs classes uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So if anyone's interested in moving to Las Vegas or they want to be a professional wrestler or they're already a wrestler and they just want to, you know, they feel like they want to try to get a different rub or they want to just try to get a different push. Or they want to just try something different for themselves because you got to bet on yourself. If you don't bet on yourself, if you don't believe on yourself, I mean, if I would have not betted on myself and going to the independence and like, if I didn't leave the nest, leaving the nest is so important. Like granted, sometimes when you leave the nest, mama bear, and papa bear, whatever, they're not happy, but you got to leave the nest and you got to make moves. So, you know, it just, that's just the way it is in life. You got to, you know, you got to level up. You know what I mean? So I'm very grateful for Knox Pro for teaching me all my beginning stuff and my, you know, some of my advanced stuff and teaching me a lot about road smarts and street smarts and traveling knowledge and, and being able to wrestle, you know, Rikishi. I wrestled Rikishi from 2014, 15, 16, 17. I mean, that was like, I was his personal, his personal fucking guy, you know, me, Maverick. It was, we had a team called the Profilers. 
And so we always would wrestle the Samoan dynasty wherever we went. If it was Texas, New Mexico, um, Arizona, fuck Nevada, just everywhere, man, all up and down California, Hawaii, uh, a lot of different places. So just having those opportunities. And at Knox Pro, I had the opportunity to wrestle Rey Mysterio, which I always talk about on podcasts because it's like, fuck, it's Rey Mysterio. Like, yeah, I'm going to mention him because it's fucking Rey Mysterio. Like, yeah. it was awesome to be able to wrestle Rey Mysterio and, and just being in the ring with those guys and having opportunities of doing some WWE extra work and uh, going there for four days and doing some more extra work after that and some even more after that. So just had a lot of good opportunities with Knox Pro, and I, I'm always grateful for that. And uh, what kind of a trainer was was Rikishi? I mean, was uh, did you was he a little bit more old school, a little bit more new school? Like, what was his what was his what was the vibe? Oh man, the vibe the vibe is adapt. The vibe is uh, the vibe is uh, each one teach one. You know, access opportunity exposure. Basically, his vibe was old school wrestling. You know, we would learn our bumps. We would learn, we do a lot of drills. We do a lot of squats. You know, we get like, you know, 500 squats in before we even get in the ring. Um, he, they had a list, you know, a big list of like 60 different, you know, chain moves that you had to learn. Just very old school, but very, you know, just one thing I know that I, I excel in and I not to be a mark or anything, but like calling on the fly, like to be able to work on the fly. Like we don't need to call anything. Like so many guys, you know, don't want to call things on the fly and I get it, you know, but you got to call, you got to work for the fans. And so if I'm in the back and we're talking, yada, 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 whatever happens, you can't work that way. I, to me, I love working on the fly. And so Rikishi has always given me that opportunity and that confidence that, you know, we'll, we just, we just call it out there. You know what I mean? Just, just believe in ourselves. Like fucking, I don't like you. You don't like me. Let's go out there. Let's fucking go. You feel me? I feel you. And let's just fucking go. That's how it is with him. It's, it's, it's like, it's no joke. And so just being able to be on the road with those guys and just all the fucking memories, dude, and being around them on birthdays and WrestleManias and all that shit is, it's good. And we still have a good uh, relation. I was just there a few months ago doing a thing for their Tuesday night Twitch uh, every Tuesday night on Twitch uh, under Knox Pro, you can watch. They have fucking killer, killer content, bro. Every single week they're dropping. And it's great now that they're branching out. And they're letting all the independent guys come in, you know, let them all come in. Let them all just experience this. And, and you know, just how you said earlier, how a couple of years ago, I remember people were very, some people were bitter, you know. Now things are changing where, you know, shit's just crazy right now in life. So it's like we all want to see each other succeed. And, and that's all it should be about, man. You know what I mean? Like. I want FSW to do good, just like I want us to do good and versus to do good and, and whatever it may be, whatever promotion, let's all just, I think that if we all could just help out and we're all helping out by just putting on wrestling, having wrestling on every Tuesday and having different performances on weekly, it's just, it's keeping it alive. And uh, wrestling has never been more alive in a sense, because you look at India you know, they got 40 million fans over there that are watching Ron. You got Japan and you just got so many places, so many different. We're such a small anthill in North America when you look at all the different, you know, territories in the world, not just, you know, North America, but in the world. And so wrestling is still going strong, might not be as strong in North America, but I think it's going to start changing very quickly. I feel like wrestling is already starting to, once the fans are getting back, it's just going to get people back into it and, you know. It's just, it's amazing. I, I commend everything that has happened with 
WWE doing killer shows, AEW doing great shit. Just everyone's been doing good shit. You know what I mean? It's good for them. Very good for them. Yeah, we talked we talked a bit earlier about um about uh you talked about storytelling being your main thing. Was that something that you feel like specifically Rikishi uh or any other trainers at Knox Pro really did they hammer home the idea of storytelling in with you? Or was so, that- uh, that's honestly like, yeah, in a sense. But dude, like Sinbodi, I give it to him, man. Like he literally kind of gave me a little insight and I'll, and I'll even drop it here. It's like, there's no such thing as wrestling psychology. That's not, there's no such thing. It's life psychology, life psychology that implies the wrestling or he says it very, of course he says a more philosophical or philosophical than I do just now, but basically just, you know, there's not wrestling philosophy. There's just life philosophy in you. If you apply the life philosophy to the wrestling philosophy, you get wrestling philosophy. I don't know. So, I mean, just, storytelling man and like just being on my own like here i am i left the nest you know i'm not now i mean i'm still with knox pro i didn't like you know leave on bad terms but i told him hey i want to go i want to start going to oakland i want to start doing these hood slams i want to start doing shit i want to get out there i need to be seen you know and and that's something that actually when i went to wwe uh for a couple of days we did a couple shots there they they told us like if you're not getting out every weekend, like, oh, we're not, you know, that's what we want. We want to see you going out there and, and trying things and working in front of crowds. And so I basically been taking their advice. And for the past two and a half years now, or two years and a couple months, I've been doing that, man. And uh, it's been really a good feeling and just trying to bet on myself and believing in myself and always learning, dude, always fucking learning. Never, ever have I ever stopped learning in this business. So it's exciting though, dude. Really exciting, exciting times. And how did you, uh, you know, learn about Hood Slam, meet Sheik, meet Super Beast, all that? Shit, man. Like, so once again, Knox Pro, just, I met Sheik. Me and Sheik have wrestled in Dallas together. We wrestled at the Dome in Bakersfield. Fucking went to Hawaii together. Uh, shit. I mean, just so many different times in California, me and Sheik have met each other through Knox Pro. And every time I seen Sheik, you know, she was always like, hey, come on up, come on up, check it out, check it out. Okay, I'll do it, I do it. I was always so nervous to leave, to leave the, the nest, you know, like, I don't want to piss off my trainers. I don't want to get them mad. Oh, God forbid, Rakishi can't sleep tonight because I went out and took a booking. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going to go get mine. You know what I mean? I'm going to go get my butter and go get my, my go get my knowledge. Cause there's only so much knowledge you can get in a classroom with no fans. You got to go out there, trial and error, go do your surfing shit, go do whatever you want to do out there and learn. Some people aren't going to, you'll go to some shows and they're not going to cheer for you. You go to some shows, they're going to like you, whatever it may be, win or lose. I make sure that any show I go to, they always will remember the long haired surfer guy, Otto Von Kletch. If it was for good or for bad, I don't give a shit. As long as you remember me, you know what I mean? I guarantee you'll always have the worst match of the night. So please, you'll always remember this shit. It's never, ever, you'll never forget it. So now I just try to have fun, dude. And, and, you know, just, yeah, just try to have fun, bro. And just all that shit, dude. It's it's just nuts. And I'm curious. uh, Yeah. And now I met Sheik. I'm sorry. That's what you, now I met Sheik was basically through Knox Pro. Okay. And then basically I did a show in Placerville. I met, Crody super beast for the first time 
Uh, me and him teamed up, and we had, I was against me, Super Beast, and the Reno Scum. We went against the Samoan Dynasty, and uh, yada, yada, yada. I fucking went to the Hood Slam, and it was just like she always gave me an opportunity, always, and she always paid me the best. She always took care of me, made sure my gas was paid, my food was taken care of. She always, she always believed in me, you know what I mean? I'm not the best, but I fucking, she must have seen something. So I always thank her for that. And, uh, you know, it's just like, be grateful for like everyone that's given you opportunities. Cause without, you know, Sam Connabody giving me an opportunity, fuck, who knows where I would have been. You know what I mean? Like right now, I don't know. It's crazy. Like hood slam has given me a lot of exposure. Like so many times I've gone to different States in the past couple of years. And they're like, they, they know stuff from hood slam. Like that's, they usually know me more from hood slam now. Than Knox Pro, which to me is like crazy to think, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? It is, it is what it is. So, and I know Sheik is having this new concept coming out called the Church of Wrestling. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone, but I'll let her drop all the details when the time comes. But I do know that the Church of Wrestling is going to be uh, alive and well very soon. Yeah, you're so rocking the shirt. Hey, you, you got to rock. You got to rock your homie shirts, man. It's like, yep, yep, we got you, Sheiky. You know, this is my church. And I believe that this is my church. I love the ring. You know, like how she always says, like, wherever ring you go into, like, I always felt at home. Like, and that's how I feel. You know, you go into a ring and you feel like you're at home. You feel comfortable in that ring. Maybe that ring might be a little bit more unsafe than some rings that you're in. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just you feel at home in front of the crowd. And and this whole pandemic, you know, you know, is crazy. You know, we never thought this shit would happen. But it's drawn us all closer. You know what I mean? We've all been able to. You know, through Zoom and all this shit, we've been able to, you know, network and feel closer with each other, I guess, during these trying times. And what was your first impression of Hood Slam? I mean, dude, like, once again, just fucking amazing. Like, amazing. Like, just you sit there, and, you know, and, oh, man, so good. So good. Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy to think that that happened and it worked. It is the accidental phenomenon. It really is because just it's lightning in a bottle. And you're like, what is lightning in a bottle? Fucking hood slam. That's lightning in a bottle. It's just like something that a moment in time that you can never go back. You know, if it's for me being a fucking Baywatch character or St. Pauli's girl or a fucking Princess Peach or being a fucking, you know, Darth Vader's and so many different characters like fuck i don't even remember all these characters that i was able to do because of you know this opportunity that i was provided so just hood slam is fucking awesome and i think you know nothing is ever nothing's dead you know i don't think anything is dead i think everything will come back you know what i mean like yeah hood slam's not going on now but i think it's going to the fact that last week at our show on may 1st uh no favors that you could watch on Twitch under the Hood Slam channel, uh, Sheik didn't even announce that we were doing it. She just, I think, randomly, and we weren't even planning on doing that. I think last minute she figured out that she could kind of set this thing up and do it. And so, boom, it happened. I mean, I know there's footage, other footage of that show that's going to be released, but uh, if you want to just, if you can't wait to see it, I think it drew over like a thousand views in one day or two days. It was boom, like a thousand people watch it that quick. And uh, I think people are just just dying. They're like, please give it to us. You know, we want to see it, which Dark Arts Entertainment is not Hood Slam. But, I mean, you're going to see a lot of those characters that were in Hood Slam there. And, and, you know, as I said, on June 25th, 
Dark Sheik quarterly invites you to Fearless. So that's a really big deal. You're going to have Fearless happening at Superbeast Compound. Tickets are on sale at Eventbrite. I mean, if you go to on Eventbrite right now and look up uh, Las Vegas and just type in wrestling, shit, it's like seven of our events. And it's so exciting to see like GCW doing draft day. And there's just a lot of different companies. I think there's like six other different companies doing shows this month alone in Vegas. So it's just a good time, uh, you know, to be here and fucking just have that competition. Cause we want, I think it's good to have competition. You know, you want to have people that are running different shows and, and just see what the fuck happens. I mean, it's exciting. Who knows? It's going to be like a little mini uh, WWE WCW war of who's going to get what town on what date we're going to find out. So it's just exciting. Yeah. And as you know, uh, putting on a show now, uh, not everyone can work every show uh, and people need to work. Uh, so it's always great when they're when wrestlers have options of places they can work as well, because it's, hey, tough. it's tough out there, man. It is. And if you go, if I for all the wrestlers out there, you know, get your dough, get your money. If you're going to get up one really great advice that I got from a cat named uh, Eli Everfly. Great guy. So, I interviewed him on the podcast. Oh, great. He, he gave me, I don't know, he might get mad that I, I give this secret out, but I don't give a fuck. Fuck you, Eli. I'm going to kick your ass whenever I ever get in the ring with you. I always told Eli, like, I'm going to kick his ass whenever I get in the ring with him. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it'll happen one day. But the guy is awesome. I love the dude. He, he really is a great dude. I uh, was able to work with him a few times, not in the ring, but just being backstage with him at WPW. And uh, just he gave me great advice. Like, it's like, you know, it's like hitting up girls. You're going to meet message different women. Some women are going to get back to you. Some are not. Or your preferences, guys, you hit up some guys and they don't get back to you. It's like that with hitting up promoters. Like, don't be ashamed, like to hit up a promoter. Cause that's the promoter's job is to take emails all fucking day long. And you know, if they say no, or if they can't take you right then don't take it to fucking heart. There's like literally a thousand other promoters that are out there. That it's like, don't even worry. Just keep on going, keep on trucking, and it's going to be totally fine. You know what I mean? So yeah. he gave me some great advice just to keep on grinding and just, you know, fucking A, man. Like, another one of those dudes. It's like, why is he not in WWE? There's so many guys right now that are on the indies that it's exciting. Like, there's just a lot of talent out there. And so it's just like, right now, we're going to watch some cherry picking happening. Who's going to take? You know, what are they going to take? Who are they going to take? They're going to take a lot of people. They should. There's a lot of talent right now. So it's just crazy, dude. Like that match with uh, Jacob Batu and uh, Steven Snap Cesario was a fucking amazing match. I mean, it was. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's just they had a, they had, I would say, close to a five star match, maybe a four star, four and a half star match. It was a great, I, I don't even fucking rate matches in stars. And that match made me think about trying to rate it in a fucking star. That's how, that's what I think. I've never ever put a match into star perspectives, but that match made me like, holy shit, like, that's why they're the fucking main event. You know what I mean? They killed it. So know your role, know your place, and fucking A, you know, we're going to yeah. just keep on moving along cordially. What the fuck? Yeah, and if you and if you do hit up promoters, make sure you know how to sell yourself because uh, Luke Hawks uh, on here when he because he runs Wildcat Wrestling, uh, yes. he says he says sometimes wrestlers will hit him up and just and all they'll put is sup, can I get on a show? And he's like, I don't know who you are, man. <laughs> like, could you yeah. could you try and help me out here? <laughs> Be more specific. He's like, I just delete those. I don't even look at those ones. He's like, Nah, sorry, man. <laughs> I know, man. It, it's hard. It's it's hard to like. I get it. 
it's hard to know your worth. It's hard to know when to judge and when to raise things. And should I charge a hundred dollars here? Should I charge 50 here? Should I charge 300 here? Like it's hard to gauge that you got to fill it out. It's a filling out process. Um, you got to believe in yourself. And once you believe in yourself, then you'll, you'll kind of figure out your worth. But you know, like who knows if, if the show has, if it's on fucking television, you know, I'd say go on it, even if it's a low pay, but that's just me. I don't know. Do what you got to do to survive. You'll know what to do when the time is right. When, uh, when the promoter hits you up or and how you said, like if you hitting up a promoter, like, Hey, what's up? I want to get on the show. Like, you know, that it's just like, imagine their game, their, their, their game with the chicks or their guys ain't too hot. I yeah. bet they don't, they don't, they don't pick up people that well. I don't know, man. It's like, have a little personality, you know, send a little clip, a little highlight or something. I don't fucking know. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but yeah, these motherfucking jabronis out there, but it's cool. You know, it is like that with everything. You know what I mean? I bet you there's fucking some jabroni ass musician, musicians, bandmates and all that shit. So who knows? There you go. Uh, kind of off topic for what we're talking about now, but I'm curious how uh, it was. I thought it was really cool to see like uh, not only April Horn, but the other people from Glow, the Glow referee at the uh, at the last show. How'd you get uh, hooked up with April Horn? Fucking A, man. Me and April, like I did this thing called WrestleFest or WrestleFair and uh, Knox Pro put on this big old wrestling convention. They've done it like three times now. And they usually bring in Boogeyman and David Affleck, or not David Affleck. Yeah, David Arquette. Just different, like, celebrities and different, you know, people in wrestling. And so me and April and the Glow Girls, uh, Lightning in Hollywood, we were right next to each other on the booth. And we just fucking were talking with each other all day long. And me and April messaged each other after the show, like, hey, you know, it was really nice meeting you, like how I normally would with anyone. And then a couple of days later, I just kind of messaged her out of the blue, like, hey, you know, like uh, – you told me that you were from Covina. I'm actually going to be doing a wrestling show in Covina. Would you be interested in managing me for this show? And I was kind of nervous asking her because I don't know. She hasn't been doing this in like 30 years. So I'm like, fuck, you know, I should just see what, you know, what she says. Are you serious? You want to have me as your manager? That would be an honor. No one's ever thought about doing that for me. Thank you so much. And she was so humbled and just the gratitude that she has, like, she, she just wants to be there for me as much as she can help my career anyway. You know what I mean? She just wants to be there to just try to help and see me grow. And, and so fuck me and her, we've been teamed up now for like shit since about past two years. Uh, she's teamed with me a few times in California, Texas. Uh, she's supposed to go to Utah and some shit happened at the airport. Yada, yada, yada. She's been around on the road with me and she's just such a sweet lady and just, uh, just fucking give her props, dude. I mean, she's, you know, these, 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 they pioneers, they're, they're the trailblazers, those glow girls. I mean, fucking A, they, they need to have a celebrity, you know, hall of fame ring in the WWE, you know, they're, they, they did so much for the business. And so, uh, it's great to have them now. I've been able to meet like almost fucking all of them, dude. Like, cause she's had me at conventions with her. She's had me at the Los Angeles comic-con, I think long beach comic-con, she had me there and different places that she's had me tag along with her so now i've met fucking almost all the glow girls and i have a good relationship with a lot of them actually i have no negative relationship with any of them and uh it's just really cool man so it's just the wrestling community you know what i mean just being able to network uh being able to have good you know just communication skills and being able to talk to people that's going to get you a long way in life you know with anything just being able to talk to people and just 
you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So that's one thing that wrestling and Rikishi helped me with, you know, is just get used to being uncomfortable because this shit, you know, is going to feel uncomfortable for a long time. And uh, fucking A, I'm going to have a shot of Patron to that one. I don't ever drink. I don't ever fucking drink, man. But anytime I'm on a podcast, I have a drink. But I've been on a lot of podcasts lately and I haven't been drinking. And I'm like, fuck, we got a bottle of Patron for the show. We never drank it. So I'm like, I guess I got to have a shot of Patron. Just totally breaking all the, the barriers here. Like, who the fuck am I to be drinking Patron on this podcast? <laughs> that fucking cocky bastard. He thinks he made it. He ain't shit. Fantastic. Man, I like that <laughs> Awesome. Brother, it's time to take it home. We have the take oh, it home shit. segment coming up. Uh, I, I have a list of questions here for you. Yeah. And uh, feel free to take as much time as you like. Oh, I will. If Andre the Giant is the eighth wonder of the wrestling world, who, in your opinion, are the other seven wonders of the wrestling world? The other seven. Well, I guess China's the ninth. So basically, instead of being the Mount Rushmore, who are my favorite, my seven favorite yeah. wrestlers? Yeah. With no, but uh, you could also like, you know, no order specifically. So you don't have to be like, well, this person's better than this person. Just like I got you. No, 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 I got you. And it doesn't matter. Just any wrestler. Wrestler Anyone. manager. Okay, anyway. I got you. Probably number one is going to be Jacob Fatu, man. I tell you what, I love that dude. Like, that's my bro. Like, Jacob Fatu all day long. He's number one. Uh, number two, going to be myself because I'm fucking just totally a motherfucker love that it. way. Love it. Uh, number three, I'm going to have to say Super Beast. Number four, fucking Dark Sheik. I love where uh, this is going. Perfect. Number five, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, number six, Eddie Guerrero. Number seven, the fans, man. Fans, they need their fucking, I don't know. I feel like without the fans, there's like, as corny as that sounds, and my trainers used to always say it. And I'm not going to lie. I thought it was kind of corny at first. Like, fans always first. Fans always first. And, of course, Hood Slam's motto is fuck the fans. Yes. But it's, it's it's with love. It's with love. So, fans, you know, fans are so important to our business. Because without the fans, without these people buying 8 by 10 Slam Buddies, listening to these podcasts, what are we? We're just people talking to ourselves about fucking wrestling. Like, so I got to put it up to the thing. Mr. McMahon. I mean, fuck. If, if we got to put someone on there. And Tony Khan. I fucking love Tony Khan's eyes. He's <laughs> fucking, people are talking about it enough, but Tony Khan is cutting the best promos in the fucking business right now. Every single, I think it's like, I don't know, on Tuesdays, him and fucking Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Do these little fucking cheesy ass promos on impact. In front of like, like the old school impact. background. Dude, they fucking are killing it, man. Like those are the fucking promos that people are sleeping on. I'm like, dude, these are only getting 40 K views. Like this is the shit that is fucking gold, but you know, just all that shit. So there's that answer. I know it was totally, I gave you like maybe nine of them. It's but all right. Fuck it. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, rules on this are like rules in wrestling. They're made to be broken. Um, every wrestler travels a lot, especially if they're actually, you know, making the loop and driving around. What are your favorite road stories? Oh, my gosh. I got so many road stories. Like, I got a lot of road stories. I mean, some of my favorite that are my own. Shit, so we're in, like, Amarillo, Texas. It's, like, my first tour probably 2000, the very end of 2014, maybe possibly February of 2015. And so I'm in the car with Gangrel and another guy named TMD. And there was probably Jacob and I probably Rikishi was in the car and shit. And I, 
I was just being a total mark, man. I'm talking to fucking my boy in the back team, Dean. I'm just saying just shit that was just, oh man, like just wrestling shit that they're just like, they don't want to hear me talking about this right now. And fucking, so I'm like, I say something like, oh my gosh, look at that limo. It has JBL's antlers on the front of it. And Gangrel turns around, just like, oh, what the fuck? Just shut the fuck up, this fucker. What are you fucking talking about? Just blew up. And I'm just like, ah. just shit like that was always fun. And and just shit like like recently before the pandemic, it was me, Choopy, and Dark Sheik. We drove down from a hood slam and went to WPW in Burbank the next day. And so we're like at this gas station. And so someone's gas like lid is open. And so like Sheik like runs or gets out of the car and like goes and shuts their gas lid. And this guy rolls his window down like, what the fuck are you doing? Like touching my car. Just like, just shit. It's like, it might not even be funny, but just being on the road with those cats and like getting all these different beef jerkies and just different flavor, like fucking buffalo and coyote and fucking alligator and shark just sit like on the road that you do and just crazy shit and getting super sick on the road man like i went to a buffet with rikishi and we fucking ate so much goddamn food excuse my sorry lord just tried all this fucking food and i remember we got i got so sick like i got the flu man and i had to go to the damn we were doing a major loop. Like it was like a fucking 21 day loop. And that was major for fucking just coming in the business. Like within my first few months, they had us on these loops. And so they had us like, they were smart. We had a couple shows that drew like almost a thousand people in these little towns. Like we were going to all the schools and I was so sick and I'm puking in this elementary school in the bathroom in the fucking toilet, bro, or the, the stall. You don't remember this shit, but when you go to an elementary school and you see the stall. It's so small. It's so small, <laughs> fucking small. And I'm like puking loud, man. And like they can all hear me in the fucking cafeteria puking in this bathroom and just crazy shit, man. There's so many road, good road stories. Just being with like uh, El Mysterioso. We were in Hawaii together and just hanging out on the balcony and another guy that's not with us anymore, Dom from Guam, just sitting there looking over the Hawaii fucking the shores and just talking about life and just different periods of our life and El Mysterioso is another dude that I fucking love, man. He's such a good luchador and just a really humbled guy to talk to. And just, it literally goes on and on, man. Like there's so many good memories and just going on long hikes in Hawaii with Gangrel and Lance on Hawaii and Maverick and fucking with the hiked up diamond head and just tons of cool road shit, man. Like another thing I think uh Gangrel said recently was like, you know, people always say like, Oh, I want to, whatever you might want to be like a wrestler. My goal is to be in WWE, let's say, and it is. Well, that's not necessarily the 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 gym of the journey. Like the journey are the there's those gyms. It's just the traveling, being on the road. Those are the true gyms. And uh, you know, like I just I love being on the road. That's I'm like born on the road. Um, fucking my last one, my last road story. Uh, we were at the Waffle House. Fuck no, you want to hear a road story, motherfucker? <laughs> Yes. This road story includes Grandmaster Sexy, God rest his soul, man. Holy shit. I don't think I've ever told this on a podcast, and people know about this story, but this one's fucking wild. So here we are. We're in Dallas, Texas, and we're all going to this fucking VIP club. I mean, Rakishi, he fucking pulled all the stops, man. He's fucking Rakishi. He pulls off this fucking club. They rent out this club. We have this fucking huge club at the fucking like Hyatt or whatever it is at some hotel. 
but it was a popping club at the hotel in Dallas. So we're, we're, we're ringing up the fucking tab, yada, yada. We won't even talk about that story, but bottom line, we ring up the tab and you can imagine what happened after that. That's all I could say on that story. But so me and Grandmaster Sexton, we're on the dance floor. You got fucking, you know, Danielle Camilla from NXT. Rodriguez was there. I mean, uh, Shotzi was there. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if Sheik was there or not. I know Sheik was on that tour, but we had a lot of people. My uh, Mosh Pit Mike, tons of people were there. So me and Grandmaster Sexy, we're doing a fucking dance off. I mean, this is a guy that I watched as like eight, nine year old kid at the Royal Rumble. And now here I am having a dance off with Grandmaster Sexy in this club. And so this cap, and I granted it was just one worker that made the whole crowd start chanting for myself. Uh, Mosh Pit Mike, he's like, oh, no, oh, whatever. They're all cheering for me. Grandmaster Sexy starts getting a little hot. He's like, oh, fuck this. He grabs my tie. Now, this is a quick backstory. My, this suit that I was wearing, my grandmother knew we were going to WrestleMania. We were going to be possibly going backstage. So I got this custom fucking Italian suit, literally cost $800. The tie that I was wearing alone was $250. Like, it was literally like almost a $1,500 complete outfit. The first time I ever had an outfit like that, God bless my fucking 100-year-old Nana. She bought me this beautiful outfit to look good, and I still have it. So Grandmaster Sexy grabs my fucking tie and he's like, you son of a bitch. I want you to take a fucking bump right now. And I'm sitting there and I'm just getting so red. And I said, no, motherfucker, you fucking take a bump for me. And he's like, whoa, all right, calm down, Junior, calm down. And he just starts dancing back and just shit like that, dude. Like fucking A, like, <laughs> you know, and I still have that tie. It's just like. Just getting all mad. I that's one thing I have. I have a temper. I do have a fucking temper, man. Like, and it's not a big temper. Like, it's definitely a million times better than it ever was before. I used to get hot, like when I first started training. Like, it's testosterone, man. You got two guys fucking going at it. You're gonna get some testosterone. You're gonna get some energy. That's all I can say. The energy is gonna happen. Just learn how to harness that shit, but. Bro, I can literally go on and on and on about road stories, but there's just a few of them right there. Dude, the Grandmaster Sex Day one I never fucking said, but I literally have some a lot more more juicy ones, let's say, but we're not going to say them. No, I'm just kidding. There's nothing that juicy, but oh, yeah. just smoking cigarettes, like being me and Jacob smoking cigarettes. I don't want to uh, fucking just stooge it on myself. Smoking cigarettes in the hotel room, fucking getting crazy bills from the hotel the trainers are like, yo, they're charging us $500 for this hotel room because you guys smoke fucking cigars in the fucking room. What the Oof. fuck? Just shit like that, you know, just being crazy young and just, and all these things were good learning experiences because I bet your ass right now, I respect every place that I go to. Uh, I don't fucking disrespect any hotel. I'm very, you know, these are all things that I, I've said this a million times and you never know, it might be that this podcast that they hear it. I'm so happy I didn't get signed or get an opportunity in 2018 with WWE because I feel like since then I've learned so much more and I've had so many more opportunities that now fucking a, I'm way smarter. So it's like, hey, you know what? Better for me, actually. My worth is is gone up because now I know, fuck, you know, I know a lot more about the business and I just feel a lot more confident. So it's a beautiful thing. 
So there's that question. Holy shit. There's the road stories, my man. There you go. Um, I like to consider, besides a very physical thing, I consider wrestling to be a very creative thing. Uh, besides wrestling, what do you like to do creatively? Man, honestly, just... I, I say I, like, I try to love to bring people. I love to, I love to make people's lives better. You know, I try to love to uplift my friends. You know, and that's something that we all, you know, I got... I just, I love to make people happy. I love to make all my friends happy. I want to give people rides. I want to just make sure that everyone's taken care of. That to me is something that like, I was hearing Mike Tyson on his podcast the other day and he's like, you know, successful people, they love to, they love to make sure that they're taking care of other people. And I always, and I thought like, I never like, I'm not successful by any means. I mean, granted, fuck. I mean, I'm, in my mind, I know I'm successful in the sense of what I've done in such a short amount of time. And I'm, I was able to accomplish these things by surrounding myself with individuals that love me and that I love back. And we all help each other out. Like, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing, you know? So when I'm not wrestling, you know, I'm usually hanging out with fucking Sam or fucking Beast or my wife or my kids and training them. You know, they've been doing some stuff at uh, Versus they train, you know, they're young girls, they train in the ring and shit like that. Like, I don't know, man, I'm always trying to like better myself. You know, you get, you're only good as your last match and in life and only good as your last few hours. How were you in the past few hours? And that's something I'm always working on. You know, I just get so intense in life sometimes where you just got to just take it back and just be grateful for what's going on. You know what I mean? And just being on this podcast with you, uh, everyone that I've ever been able to be in a locker room with, for the positives, for the bad. It's just, it's just all such a learning experience, man. And, and as long as I could just, just be positive, that's my main goal. Like, I just want to be positive to people. And like, you know, fuck man, you never know what someone's juggling with that day in their life, you know, what someone has going on. So just be kind to people, you know, like just fuck, you just never know, man. You never know people. I know a lot of shit happened, like with this pandemic, people were killing themselves. A lot of negative shit was happening, man. So it's like, if you if you got a buddy out there and you haven't heard from him or you haven't talked to him in a while and you know he's out there, fuck, if you've seen him on Facebook, that don't mean shit. Pick up the phone, call your friends, you know what I mean? And if, if you don't have their number, try to reach out to them, you know what I mean? Like, I always try to reach out to my trainers on holidays and just, I'm always grateful. I always let them know. I'm grateful for Thanksgiving, Christmas. Thank you guys so much for this. Cause like, fuck, without you guys, I don't know shit. Like I didn't know anything about this business. So I'm just so grateful, man. That's, just, that's what I love to do when I'm not wrestling. I love to be grateful and I'm fucking an asshole sometimes. We all are assholes, but the more that I acknowledge that I just can try to better myself. That's all I could do. You know what I mean? But I'm fucking business, man. Like beast is training me to be a fucking businessman, bro. Like I'm going to be the fucking most, I hopefully my goal in professional wrestling is this. I'm not the greatest wrestler. I know I got charisma and I can, I could deliver when I got to, but really I want to be a manager. That's my goal. You know, like my, my end goal in this is to be a fucking manager and be the best fucking manager that anyone's seen. Like bigger than Heyman, bigger than fucking Blassie, bigger than freaking Heenan, just be this manager. Like we haven't had that in so long. And I give it to fucking Stone. I believe his name's Stone over there in NXT, Robert Stone. He's doing a fucking tremendous job being a manager. And so really that's like, I got goosebumps right now thinking about it, man. Like I love that shit. Like I would love to be a manager. 
when the wrestling is over. I just love the business, man. Like how I said earlier, wrestling doesn't owe me anything. Like I'll sit here. I told you, bro, this will be the longest fucking podcast you ever did. I love wrestling. I will talk all day totally long fine. about wrestling. And on that note, I got more shit to say real quick. On that note, I'm going to be breaking the Guinness World Record which those fucking assholes at Guinness haven't been getting back. Well, actually, I don't want to lie. They got back to me, but with the whole Pammy or pandemic, I hate that whole fucking breaking shit down to small words. The whole pandemic happened. So I, I sent them an email. They sent me an email back saying that they're going to get back to me once they can get a fucking judge down here to Vegas. So on that note, I'm going to break a fucking promo. I'm going to break a record for having the world's longest professional wrestling promo at 12 hours long holy shit shoot me with a fucking gun because that is awful who wants to listen to someone for 12 hours i don't know only i can want to listen to myself that long so you're you're rubbing the eyes just thinking about it you're like holy shit this is not good i, I you know going back some of those uh some of those uh later attitude era promos started to feel that long though to be honest with you hey <laughs> and, and you know what the best thing is who knows i might not succeed like i'm gonna do this thing but you never know, man. I might not be able to finish the 12 hours. But the only reason, well, I'm doing it because I, I want to test my skills and I want to be able to be like uh, Big Brother AJ Kushner. I want to be able to have some sort of recognition for my promo skills, man. Like he has all these fucking great things for that. I got to have something for me. So I got to have the world's longest wrestling promo ever. 12 hours long. We'll see if we can do it. I think it's going to be happening in the next few months. But uh just fucking grateful for them. So we'll, I'll let everyone know about that. Stay tuned for that. But shit, keep going on your shit, man. I'm sorry. I just, I got things just dropping in my head as I'm fucking Totally here. fine. <laughs> what is your favorite move or hold that you do not use? Fuck, bro. You want me to be real with you, bro? I love that luchador shit, bro. That, that luchador shit, cuz. Fuck. Like, I love a Canadian destroyer. I never do the Canadian destroyer. I love a Canadian destroyer, bro. I love the fucking Frankensteiner from the top rope. That shit's fucking sick, dude. They're up there just like, what's up, bitch? Let's fucking go. Like, that shit gets me pumped, dude. Like, I don't give a fuck. I love hearing fucking Excalibur say, okay, Sadora, okay, Sadora. Like, it's just ridiculous, dude. It's so fucking good. Like, I love wrestling, dude. I don't give a fuck. You know, and I was I was raised old school, bro. Like, you know, don't be a fucking mark for yourself and don't fucking be a mark. Like, you just got to be smart. You know what I mean? And, like, sometimes it's like, fuck, dude, I just love this shit. Like, when I was backstage, bro, fucking A, when I was backstage, they had to sign contracts that you're not allowed to talk to anyone backstage. Bro, Paul Heyman's sitting there eating fucking his salad by himself. I'm sitting in the fucking locker room with Eric Watts, fucking Heather Monroe, fucking that one chick, uh, Shauna Reed, I think her name is. She's on fucking AEW right now. Whole bunch of cats, Stefa. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going up to fucking, I'm going up to Paul Heyman. And I'm going to talk to that motherfucker. I don't care what WWE says. What are they going to do? Fire me? I don't even work for him. So I go up and I sit with Paul Heyman, bro. I sit right down and say, sir, can I talk to you for a moment? He's like, yeah, sit down, please sit down. What do you want to talk I say, hey, man, my name's Otto, you know, I'm one of the Rikishi students. I just wanted to see if I could pick your brain about promos and stuff. He's like, yes, please. Let's talk about promos. Yes. What do you want to know? I said, man, like, how do you sell a promo, man? Like, what's, what's the deal here? 
bro, that fool literally for the next 45 minutes, <laughs> I, I might be exaggerating. We'll say for the next 30 minutes, fuck it. I don't even want to lie. For the next 25 minutes, this guy's talking to me. And it was 25 minutes. He's talking to me about promos. He literally is breaking down this piece of rice and his fucking bowl of fucking salad and, and chicken and shit. He's like, look at this one piece of rice. How are we going to get this one piece of rice over with all this shit around in this bowl? And like, he's fucking, I'm not going to break the fucking, the fourth wall, but the fucking bro dropped down some knowledge, bro. So I love Paul Heyman for that. And I told him with confidence, like, I believe we're going to work together one day. Like, I will see you in the future. And who knows? Maybe he went to Vince and said, don't ever hire this kid. He bugged the fuck out of me during my lunch. Who knows? But I believe he wasn't offended. I believe he was very happy. And same thing with, like, fucking Pat Patterson, dude. Pat Patterson sat with all of us and just spent his time. Like, this guy is fucking Pat Patterson. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to spend time with the fucking the extras. And he's sitting there talking to all of us and helping us and giving us advice and and uh, just, it's crazy, man. And another cat was uh, uh, Shad, you know, from uh, Primetime. Mm. He was there. He was a cat that basically when we had the Wrestle Fair, we had a promo contest. And so I was in charge of the promo contest. And, and I actually had a, a promo against uh, Shad's son um, at Wrestle Fair, man. And I remember like that was a few months before I had some extra, before I did the extra work. And literally... He's like, I'm walking out. Our was in the hallway. It was in the catering. He comes up to me like, what's going on, man? Like, these are these guys that like, you know, they're humbled. They're humbled, humbled, humbled. They just, they want to get back to the business. Bless his heart, bless his soul, you know? So I just give it to all these guys, man. Like, it's just love one each other. We all are going to get, we're all going to have disagreements, but we all got to help each other out because fuck, man, without each other, like, we got to protect this shit. You know what I mean? This means everything to me. Wrestling means everything. You know what I mean? I'll sit here for the next fucking 20 days talking to you about this shit. I love it. You know what I mean? So fucking A, man. I love it. So you've seen a lot of different crowds, been to a lot, wrestling in a lot of different states, different places. Crowds can get rowdy sometimes. Any crazy fan interactions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely, man. Uh, shit, a lot of them, man. A lot of them. Uh, recently, I was down here in uh, Texas. I was over in Texas at the, uh, fuck, I believe it was, I guess we were in Arlington. Fuck, man. So I'm, I'm with my family. I take all my, my kids. I don't got a lot of them. I got two kids and my wife and my, my father. I take him along uh, on the road. I'm on Facebook and I check into this fucking, like, I don't know, some fucking barbecue shop. Bro, by the time I was done with dinner. I had fucking fans outside. They started, they came in the fucking restaurant. I'm like, what's going on? Like these people are just standing around looking at me. And I had fans that all showed up, like a group of them, like a couple different groups of them, like probably like six or seven guys and a couple chicks showed up like wanting pictures and wanting autographs. And that was a pretty surreal moment. Like, okay, fuck. This was like, this was during the pandemic. This was August of 2020. I was like, shit, man. Like, Fucking A, like, this is a good sign. Like, you, there's there's things that you got to gauge. You got to know, like, you know, it's crazy. Like, it's, the fans are nuts. Fans, like, with Facebook and Instagram and that shit, like, I'll put a story out. Let's say I get, like, 400 or 300 views for that story. And then you get, like, no one that likes it. Everyone's watching what you're doing. There are some people, you know, like, everyone's watching. The fans are watching. They don't know what, they don't know what to think. 
You know, these fans don't want to jump shit. They want to just be loyal and shit. The fans are crazy, though. There's some fucking crazy fans out there. I had a fan fucking in Oakland break my window and shit like that. That's happened before. I don't know if it was a fan. It was probably just a local fucking Oakland uh, resident. But And then Salt Lake City, you know, I've had a lot of different fans there that, you know, just try to get a little nosy and shit. Like you're going back to your car and they're following you to your car. And it's like, why are you following me? You know, like, Mm. oh, we know each other. Like, no, I don't fucking know you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. For the most part, nothing too, too nuts. Probably will think about it once I'm off of this podcast. I'll be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, there was that fucking man that did this. I mean, I've had fans spit on me. Oh, that shit's happened a lot of times. This, I mean, and now thinking about it, you're like, holy shit. Like, you know, but you know, it is what it is. Well, fans you say are, you have a temper. What, what kind of, how does your temper, if you see a fan spit on you though? You know, bro, professional at that moment, I hate to say this because it doesn't give the fans the right to spit on us, but my job is to go out there and to make them hate me or love me or whatever it is. Like, People are going to get mad at me for saying this. I know a lot of them are, but it's like you paid that money. Like if you want to fucking yell at me and if you're fucking you on accident, get so mad, you spit on me. Who knows? Maybe that's that person's like release. That's my job is to be the release. I'm like their fucking therapist. This guy might hate his nine to five, like, or whatever it may be, or hate his wife or fucking can't stand his stepchild. Or I don't know what the fuck it may be. Who knows what this guy's promised. You might be their release. Not saying it's okay because it's never okay to spit on anyone. But fuck, I mean, I don't know. I'm just working on our temper. Like, I you can't get mad at the fans. Like, what am I going to do? Punch a fan? Like, then I'm fucked. And I would never do anything to risk a fan's life or to do anything to disgrade or, uh, you know, just ruin a reputation of a company. Like, that's so important. Like, that's the most important thing I believe as being a professional wrestler. I'm going to give everyone the, what I believe. What I believe is the most important attribute that you have to have is, uh, you know, you got to be loyal and just fucking like, just, just, you got to make sure that the promoter trusts in you. You're not going to go and do something stupid, you know, be a fucking idiot and do some stupid fucking shit with the fan or something dumb. You know what I mean? Like guys, like that just let them weave out, weave them out. Leave them out. That's all I can say. Leave them out. If people want to be fucking stupid, expose them and leave them out. But it's like, let's just, you know, stay fucking focused and try to let the promoter have trust in you and believe in you. You know what I mean? That's your job is to make sure that they fucking can rely on you, you know? And that goes for the promoter though. They need to make sure that they can fucking, they, you know, I scratch your back. I drive a thousand miles and you're not going to give me more than 20 bucks. I might not come back. Like what the fuck? I get it that it's all the old wrestling business, but as much as I, you know, I can't stand fucking Jim Cornette sometimes, you know, there's those outlaw mud wrestling shows out there. They're still out there. I've been on a lot of them, man. I've been on shows where people don't want to pay you and you're like, what the fuck? We talked about this and then they all of a sudden just want to back out. So perfect segue into one of my questions, which is, has a booker stiffed you on money? And if so, what are some excuses as to why? Man, I'll fucking break down some shit, bro. You will fucking hey, man. Woo! Let's have another shot. Let's talk about it. This is the shit that Mr. Man's like, nope, I can't sign him. He's just too risky. He's just too fucking risky right now. No. Yeah, dude, it's happened. So, so basically, I'm in Texas with my fucking family and kids. 
I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. This guy basically tells me I'm basically fighting for their inaugural championship. They've been pu- putting posters out for weeks. The promoter I know gets a little salty because I don't want to go out to dinner with them the night before. Like, I'm sorry. I just traveled in. I actually bought my own hotel room. I don't want to go to dinner with you. Even though you're going to pay, I don't want to go. This promoter starts getting a little salty right before my match. They say, Hey, uh, I don't got no cash on me right now. I don't got no cash. You're going to have to talk to so-and-so. Uh, I don't have cash on me. I got a couple bucks I can give you, but it's not this certain guy's job to pay me. It's the promoter's job. The promoter tells me, oh, I didn't know you were on the card. You're like, you didn't know I was on the card? I fucking, you asked me out to dinner the night before. I'm on your fucking poster that you're promoting on fucking Fight TV or whatever it is. And so he's like, well, I don't have, I don't have cash on me. That's between you and this other guy, which it was not because it's his company. Bro, I snap. I tell my kids, everyone. I go literally during a match, which is very unprofessional. I'm going to spill it out there. I'm unprofessional. I go out there and tell my whole kids and family, fuck these motherfuckers. Come on, guys. Let's go, kids. And as I'm leaving the fucking building, the promoter's at the door counting money. Oh, dude, I snap. I'm like, you motherfucking piece of shit. I'll fucking whoop your ass. I don't care if you're an MMA fighter. I'll beat your fucking ass right now. And granted, I hate to say this, but this company uses uh, the church, like literally uses their church as like a backing, which I'm not, I'm not for. Mm. I think it's hella corny. You're going to have your tidings go to these wrestlers and super like we pray before the fucking show. Like granted, I'm all about uh, freedom of religion and hey, I believe in God or whatever. It but sounds hey, like this guy's trying to have a tax-free wrestling promotion is what it is. Exactly. This is some righteous gemstone shit for wrestling, dude. And so I'm not going to lie. This promoter's name's Kyle Hessler. Hessler. He's a piece of shit. He's an MMA fighter, which is great because I'm challenging Kyle Hessler to a fucking MMA fight. I've never fucking MMA matched in my life, but I challenge this fucking promoter to an MMA fight live at the fucking compound. I don't give a shit what fucking Crody wants to charge me. I will pay top dollar to rent that fucking venue out to beat the fuck out of that promoter that took money from my children. Just shit, you know what I mean? Just shitty shit like that. But it gets deeper and deeper. But guess what, bro? That's not in my nature. This guy really drew the line in the sand and pissed me off. There was a few other times which I have respect for these other promoters, which I shouldn't have respect because they fucking, you know, I was getting paid really well and yada, 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 shit happens. All I know is this. I never fucking, you know, gave it to anyone that didn't have it coming to him. So that promoter, Kyle Hessler, had it coming to him. I've given the warning shots out there on Facebook. I never do this shit, but my trainer's like, fuck it, you've got to expose them. If they fucking juiced you out of 200 bucks, like fuck them and you fucking flew out, fuck them. That's just the way it is. But, you know, positive, bro. It all comes down to being positive. You, you are one of those fucking interviewers that actually is really deadly around me because you're going to get me pissed off right now. No, I'm just kidding, bro. But no, you really are pulling the strings, which is great because shit, dude, I've never mentioned these things before, like the Grandmaster Sexay thing and fucking just, you know, spilling out my heart to the business right here live. Or not live, but future, you know, they'll be able to listen to this shit. Fuck you if you're listening to this right now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, 
Uh, let's say you're working with someone new, someone you haven't worked with before in the ring. What's the worst thing someone can do when you're working with them in a match? Okay, so I know you watched my match last uh, last Saturday. That's why you're asking this question, aren't you, you son of a oh, bitch? Oh, no. I'm no not... I'm... So this is what happened, bro. Fuck. You just, this is deadly. This is the deadly shit. So basically, what the worst thing you could do, if I've never worked you before, and you've never worked me, and you have another wrestler that I really don't care for. I mean, she's a nice person, but you send that person a message telling me. So if I if I'm a wrestler and I never know, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. I tell this water bottle, hey, water bottle, I'm gonna fight this guy on the screen. I want you to let him know I'm gonna kick his ass. And then this person sends me a message saying, Hey, I know you're fighting so-and-so on fucking, you know, April 17th. He's going to whoop your ass on April 17th. I tell you what, that shit's going to get me fucking hot, bro. If I don't really know you that well and and you're going to have someone tell me that you're going to beat my ass, bro, I'll fucking spill some beans, dude. So I got some heat out here. I got heat. I'm not going to lie. I know I have heat. I don't give a fuck if I have heat out here. Fucking let the heat. It's a hot fucking place. I'm in the fucking desert. (laughs) You're bound to have heat, bro. So I had some fools try to test me, bro. People be trying to test me. I try to give someone an opportunity. You know, I want to give you fucking 60 to $100 for an opportunity. Like, fuck, you're going to get pissed at me for fucking trying to give you an opportunity for $100? Fuck you. Same goes. If I don't know you and you're going to say you're going to beat my ass and fuck, I don't know you, bro, you're going to get it rough. Like, bottom line, I got to protect myself. I got to protect my family because this is how I feed my family. So if you're going to tell me you're going to beat my ass and then you go on Facebook and you say, hey, I'm going to beat Otto in three minutes or less without even giving me the fucking office to say, hey, you know, well, bro, you're going to get it. Fucking hey, dude. I'm going to protect myself all fucking day long, dude. <laughs> Strong style all day long. And this is going to dive into New Japan. New Japan, if you're listening, I apologize. I didn't have a passport. So New Japan... We did some emails back and forth. They said, yes, send us a package. Please send us a package to Japan. My wife throws together this killer little package. She sends off to Japan. It's like a hundred bucks to ship it. I don't have a passport. They want a passport. I didn't have a passport, bro. Now I have a fucking passport. That was such a disappointment to Rikishi. I know. He's like, fuck, you don't have a passport. I've been telling you this for the past five fucking six years to get a passport. You don't have one right now? Like, dude opportunity missed so for all wrestlers out there another fucking drop of knowledge and you might be sitting at home like well you know i don't know i'm not that good or i'm not gonna go to this or that how you said earlier you don't have to be an amazing wrestler to get signed you might just have something that they're looking for you might be that bulgarian you might be that fucking long-haired surfer which i believe and i'm gonna say it right now for the first time ever and i know this is the truth when i signed in 2014 with knox pro And I paid them a lot of money, bro. I paid them a fucking lot of money to go to school. During that time, they didn't teach me the business of the business in the sense of like the business. Like this is a fucking business. Yes, I was learning moves and shit. I need to learn that. I have nothing against them. But there was an opportunity in 2015, 16, where here I am wrestling Rakesha for about a year straight cutting a lot of promos, getting about a thousand views, maybe 2000 views per promo on Facebook. I know if I would have, if hindsight, hindsight, 2020, 
I would have told Rakishi in 2015, no later than 16, hey, I need to get signed. I need them because they were looking for that guy. They were looking for that Matt Riddle character. Matt Riddle, I was before Matt Riddle. And that sounds so fucking hipster, but it's true. Matt Riddle wasn't wrestling when I started. And I was doing the barefoot and course. I'm not saying I started barefoot wrestling at all. I just started that stoner surfer fucking character, which WWE wanted. And I mean, it is what it is. All I know is if I know what I know now, you know, how they say in uh, fucking, uh, what is it? Beetlejuice. I wouldn't have had my little accident. No, if I would have known what I know now, I wouldn't have fucking, I would have been telling Rikishi. I would have been in this fucking ear. Like, hey, I know you guys need me in Hawaii. I know you guys need me on this fucking, these couple mini tours. I need to get signed. Like, I have to get signed. So in 2016, when we did a fucking, I did a promo on top of the 10 Tim Collins, it drew like 6,000 views. That's when I should have told Rakishi, I need to get signed. I need to go. Even though I was not ready, bro, you're never going to be ready for this shit. You're never going to be fucking ready. You know, you got to have confidence. And I, I, I really want Mr. McMahon and Shane McMahon and Tony Khan or fucking Billy Corrin, whoever the fuck it is to have that confidence in me. Cause I promise you guys, whatever it is, I, I just need to be put against the right guys. You know what I mean? Like I got a lot to offer to this company, to this industry. And uh, I believe in myself. And I, and I just, I think you could ask me as many more questions as you want, but I just think all the fans and you can laugh at me, motherfucker. If you were laughing, I'm not at laughing. Me, my, no, if I you were fucking laughing I, I'm at la- me. I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at you say, you can I ask me all the questions you want. Cause I was like, you were laughing at me in my kitchen like that across. I don't give a fuck who you are, bro. I don't care if you're a fucking talk show host. I'll whoop your fucking ass. My shirt's cooler than your shirt, bro. It is. Like, it is. I'm not going to lie. No, no, I'm uh, just playing with you, bro. I love you, bro. I'm just fucking with you. But I just, you know, I thank all the fans. Don't fucking giggle and shit, bro. I'm about to smack your ass. <laughs> well, well, now it's, like, now it's you, like telling me not to giggle in church. Now it's not, now it's going to be impossible not to. <laughs> shit, I'll give you comp tickets just so I can smack the fuck in your face when I see you, man. Uh, shit. So talk to me. Talk to me. Ask me a few more questions and we'll get out of here. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of working snug, working strong style, who's got the hardest chop? Are you asking me that? Yeah, who's that you've taken? Bro. <clears throat> Come on. Who do you guess I'm going to say? Because I want to hear what you think. Who am I going to say? Uh, the Cuzzies? The no? Cuzzies don't got shit on Coach Nugs. Oh, okay. There we go. Bro, I'm just kidding. The Cuzzies, I never had a match with them, and I imagine they'd fucking kill me in a match. But, dude, Coach Nugs has the hardest chops so there's a guy, I love this guy. Um, thank you so much for taking this time out of your day to talk to me, man. Reno on Hawaii. Bro, this guy, Reno, you probably don't know who he is. I don't give a fuck. This guy, you check this guy out, bro. He's like a fucking, he's part of the Simone dynasty. He's a high chief. This bro would chop me so hard. I got a wetsuit on. He would chop me so hard. Like, I don't think he was taking advantage of me or anything. He was just trying to toughen me up, you know, and like, fuck, dude, like that shit was tough. And then when I went and started dabbling with the uh, hood slam, they, they booked me a few times with coach Nugs, And I think that was a test. I think because he's booked me against coach Nugs because they're like, Hey, let's, let's see what he does with coach Nugs. And dude, so, so snug, like fucking a, like, and 
once again, I'd rather have shit be snug than like, I remember going to a fucking WWE SmackDown and John Cena's punching the guy. Here's the glasses or here's the bottle. Cena's like this, like this. And bro, like, I love Cena. I love what they've done with the business. It's just like, bro, I get it. Longevity, if you got 52 weeks out of the year and you got three shows that week out of the year and you got fucking, uh, you know, 200 shots, I get it. You're not going to punch each other every night because I get it. I know it gets sore. Like sometimes when I get fucking, you know, snug smile, it's sore. But it's like, fuck, dude, like you got to have some sort of contact. That's just me. I'm sorry. Mr. McMahon's probably like, you asshole. That's my golden goose, you son of a bitch. Well, guess what? Your golden goose don't mean shit on the fucking circuit no more. No one wants to see John Cena no more. And they're probably like, you're wrong, Otto. You're wrong. I, I think there's so much more talent out there. I believe you book a guy like Funny Bone, he will draw more than John Cena. I believe you book a guy like Jacob Fatu, he will draw more than John Cena. Stefan Fatu will draw more than fucking John Cena. There's these guys that are out there and I believe Dark Sheik, Triple H, Paul Levesque, you need a higher Dark Sheik. I mean, you need to have that transgender woman. And what better way to do it than with Dark Sheik, someone that has revolutionized the industry, someone that has given so much to the industry. We got to hire these people. Like, it's crazy. There's so many people I know right now that aren't hired, but there's a lot of people I know that are getting hired with AEW. So it's fucking exciting as fuck right now. So it's just like, you never know what will happen, but the most snuggest guys I've ever been in the ring with, no doubt are fucking, you know, Coach Nugs and, uh, and Black Pearl. And then on that note, I'm going to be a fucking stooge and uh, speak for my partner, Maverick. He's not my partner anymore. Well, we're still partners, life partners. We're buddies. But he was my old tag partner. When we had a match with Rey Mysterio, which I've never told this story, he got fucking, when we got six, we got like a double 619. Well, he got like 619 so hard in the fucking boot or in the head. He had this big boot mark. And after our match, he goes up to my, uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now. And he's like, uh, man, uh, so when's Rey Mysterio coming out? You're like, bro, we already, you guys just wrestled Ray Mysterio. Like, he was totally knocked the fuck out. Oh, shit. Got, just, just totally snugged and got knocked. And I, I imagine with Ray hitting two people, it's a little bit of a different angle. But fuck it, we're going to break that fourth wall. Send me the DMs, how I pushed the barrier too much during that little fucking segment. I don't give a fuck. Homeboy got knocked in the fucking head, and he was knocked the fuck out. So it is what it is. I'm excited to hear your answer to this one. Uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Hardest I've laughed? I mean, bro, there's, what's that guy? You know his name, and I don't want to be rude because he's a hood slam guy. I know his first name is Michael. He would wrestle as, like, a Stardust character. He did this character. He did fucking, like, Enrique Iglesias. And, oh, my God, it was so good. He fucking, like was singing as Enrique Iglesias. The fucking fans loved it, man. And then I remember Coach Nugs did fucking Hillary Clinton. And he was Hillary Clinton at a show. And it was just so magical. And just fucking, you know, Bob Ross, Job Ross, seeing Job Ross paint. You know, like, so much good stuff. Boo, Boo Batista with the boobies and fucking just all this shit was so classic. You know, the hardest I've ever wrestled in a wrestling show is... Fuck, I mean, dude, just, 
you know, just all the times being in Hood Slam in that locker room. If you would have asked me before Hood Slam, it, I don't know what it would have been. But just, just you know, at any time I'm around Jacob or Rikishi, we all just start cracking up. Like, it's literally just jokes, ribs. I love ribbing people, which I love to rib myself. Because a good ribber, just like a good car salesman, you got you to gotta fuck yourself over sometimes. So sometimes I love to rib myself. I love to take long trips with people I'm not big fans of, or I love to do certain things. You got to rib yourself. If you don't rib yourself, who could fucking rib you? So I always love to rib myself to keep myself humble. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, I love hearing stories of Bobby Heenan. He used to, uh, he used to, he used to like pratfall. So he would hurt himself on purpose just to make people freak out and make his friends laugh. So they would go to like a restaurant or like a McDonald's or something. And at the counter, he would just slip and fall flat on his ass and start acting like he's in massive pain. So people who are working there are freaking out because this guy just fell and everyone he's there with is just trying not to laugh because this guy just threw himself down just to make these people freak the fuck out. Shit, I heard a story that fucking uh, Abdul the Butcher used to make a lot of the, the greenhorns and shit like that that were with him at dinner during the independent shit. They would fucking, he would make them sing happy birthday to him. So they would go out to the bar that they knew that the fucking fans would be at. Abdullah would make these guys sing happy birthday to him so the fans would buy him drinks, give him money, fucking advances or whatever it may be. So it's like, dude, it's fucking just the business, bro. Shit's crazy, dude. Like, you know what I mean? All this shit is so crazy, dude. Like, wrestling, just fucking A, man. All I know is word travels fast, motherfuckers. I love how fucking weird wrestling is. Like, I always tell people, I always go, oh, yeah, I saw James Brown live. And they went, oh, you saw him in concert? I went, no, I went to Super Brawl. Uh, Fuck yeah. And then I was like, he came out with Ernest the Cat Miller. And uh, it was the same night that uh, Tank Abbott tried to stab someone. That was... That was uh, <laughs> Dude, fucking Tank is the fucking Tank, bro. Fucking uh, Tank. Uh, what's some of the worst gimmicks you've seen on the road? Fuck, bro. You are such a... You're such a shitster. Now I know why a lot of my boys haven't been on your show. No, I'm just playing with you. A lot of guys I know have been on your show. I'm fucking with you. Man, I'll stir some shit. Some of the worst gimmicks I've seen on the road, octopus shit. Like, I don't get it. I know. I'm such an asshole. I'm sorry. I just shot myself. If you're an octopus, stupid. Um... God bless Manny Lemons. Manny Lemons, I'll talk some shit. This guy, Manny Lemons, he's a booker for Salt Lake City, which I love to do. Now he's Manny Smith, which is fucking great. He was Manny Lemons. He was the king of the lemonade stand. And he always dressed like Hulk Hogan. Yellow boots, the fucking Baudet are the, what is it? It's just like, bro, you're a great person. You have a wrestling school. You fucking have a shit on Fight TV. Like, Obviously, and I've never told him this, but I'll just fuck it. You know, I'm a shit stir tonight. He never fucking, you're, you're going to work with Tony Khan. Tony Khan obviously don't like Hulk Hogan for whatever reason. We all know that. I don't know. I'm not going to stir no more shit, but Tony Khan don't like Hulk Hogan. It's basically the public knows that. So why are you going to do a character that's kind of like Hulk Hogan? Fucking stay away from that. So he's yeah. smartened up. I'm pretty sure someone might have smartened him up, gotten his ear. Uh, he's training right now at the Nightmare Factory, which is a fucking blessing, which, like, 
it's great. Like, good. Go train there and get some knowledge and fucking get on, you know, AEW, build your brand. So, uh, you know, that was kind of a cheesy character. Uh, fuck, dude, the most cheesiest, cheesiest, I mean, really just octopus shit. Like, I don't get it. Like, our, a buffalo. Like, and I love this cat. And, I'm, dude, like, I'm literally going to get so much heat for saying some of the shit. Like, animals. Hawks. Like, I don't want to see a Kyle Hawk. Like, why? You're, 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 you know, you're not an animal. We're not fucking animals. We're people. I'm a surfer. You're a fucking super beast. You're a fucking dark shit. I don't know, man. You're, you're stirring the pot. I don't like it, but it's okay. Cause fuck it. I guess I just, I've been drinking for the first time in like a year. I don't drink no more, man. I lost like 30 pounds. I look like a fucking stud now. And you fucked it up tonight. My bad. I'm just playing. Uh, now on this one, you don't have to name names if you don't want, but you work on shows with a lot of big names. Any former WWF, WCW, ECW guys, whatever that acted like they were bigger than the show, just really like rubbed you the wrong way. Anything, any in that way? I don't care. Give me guys. Give me fifteen seconds. Let me think real quick. Give me. I'm honest. I want to give me fifteen seconds. I I just can't think, bro. Like Boogeyman was such a fucking humbled guy. Giving me advice on the fucking, on the messenger. Fuck. Gangrel always giving me advice. Rikishi always, I mean, just everyone always so humbled. Um, sometimes it's, it's not necessarily the guys that were like the big stars that are like that. Sometimes it's like, and you know what? Just like how everyone has a bad day. So I probably met some people that they would be like, well, Otto was a fucking dick to me that day. Or, you know, whatever. Otto was a dick when I met him. I, you know, we all have our bad days, good days. I don't know. I don't, I've never had that problem, bro. Like I've been trying to really dig up the dirt for you, man. Cause I would love to give you the most dirtiest of dirt, but I've never had like a WWE guy be a dick to me. I've never had that on an independent show. I've been on shows with Lance Archer and, you know, just a lot of different names, fucking John Morrison. And just the fucking list will go on and on. Like if I were to break it down, I don't need to break it down. Jake's take rock. Dude, like Jake the Snake Roberts is one of the coolest fucking guys. Like he sat down and just chilled with me and my wife talking fucking in 2020 during the pandemic, just having a good time. Like, dude, I don't know, man. I've never had that problem. Like maybe I've always been respectful. <sighs> Fuck, dude. Okay, guess what? You're such an asshole, bro. Just because this is the Andy Handshake Podcast. Okay. Now, if I tell you this, I don't want you to go out there and fucking, I'm, we're saying this on the air, so this is what's going to be sticking. Do not tag me that I said this, but okay. I will say it. So in 2004, when I went to a WPW show, I'm sorry, not to, a UPW with a Ultimate Pro Wrestling at the Grove of Anaheim. I've never told this story. Fuck it. Wait. Don't wait till people are dead. Say it now. I met Rakishi for the first time, 2004. I bought a fucking eight by 10. I believe it was like $40. The dude didn't want to say nothing to me. I'm like a 14 year old kid. I'm excited to meet Rakishi. And he was such an asshole. He was a fucking dick to me that day. But on that note, I met the guy later on at a house of hardcore in 2014, actually almost like 10 years later. And I asked him about the school and he told me to come the next week. And I came and he's the fucking sweetest guy I've ever met. 
But if I had to be real with it, Rakishi in 2004 was an asshole to me. Um, I remember I told this to a worker that was really close to him. And he's like, don't ever, ever say that. Don't ever let him know that. Fuck it. I'm going to just say it. I've been having Patron. I've been doing these jello shots. Fuck, bro. I bought some jello shots at the fucking uh, Indian liquor store over here in Nevada. Fuck, I went on a road trip today, went hiking and shit. So I'm like, fuck, I knew I was going to be on the podcast tonight. I wanted to deliver the best podcast ever. And I believe you can't be on a podcast without drinking some alcohol. Like you watch Stone Cold's podcast, not saying I'm Stone Cold, but you got to have some drinks. So to be honest, Rakishi was an asshole to me. But that day, granted, 2004, I mean, I don't want to talk politics and shit because I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I'll say it. You know, 2004, Rakishi and WWE, he was like, I think they might have, you know, he left. Whatever happened, he wasn't there no more. He was at this wrestling event. Who wants to be at a fucking wrestling show with, you know, 300 people if there was that? But China, God bless her soul, was the sweetest lady. China, Conan, so fucking sweet, bro. Like, literally, China, like, sat there and talked with me with, like, somewhere there's a whole bunch of pictures. I'm, like, with all the wrestlers. Like, shit was cool, man. So, it's crazy. Spilled my fucking tequila. And you cannot have a good podcast unless you spill some alcohol. So that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? That's just the way it fucking is. Talk to me, Pa. Brother, we have reached the final question. I love it. The final. He's like, holy shit. I think I, I swear to God, bro. Every podcast I go on, I either break the record for having the longest or I break the record for having the shortest. And tonight. I think we're going for the longest. All right. I call this the touchy-feely question of the podcast. It is your pure joy in wrestling, whether it be something before, during, or after the match, the thing that still gives you goosebumps, the thing that still makes you say, fuck, this is why I love wrestling. This is why I love this business. Bro. To be honest with you, that question changes, or that answer to that question changes week for week. Last week, last Saturday, to be able to watch my brother Jacob and watch my brother Snap battle it out, whatever issues there might have been in that match or whatever happened in that match, they fucking delivered. So me, I was proud as someone that, you know, I booked Jacob, you know, I paid for Jacob to come out. Right as I'm speaking to you, I got Snap texting me right now talking to me about Floyd Mayweather. So imagine that. That's how our universe is right now, bro. We're so interconnected. It's a beautiful thing. To see Jacob, for me to be able to pay Jacob his fee and Jacob to come out and deliver the way he delivered and be able to watch that, that to me was at that moment my most proudest moment because I basically booked that match. I mean, Chris booked it, but I helped booked it. I paid for fucking Jacob to come out. And it wasn't cheap to be able to see that. That was a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And it just is going to keep on growing. The next thing now, now that I'm talking to you, bro, you don't realize I'm so grateful for this right now. Like on June 10th, Autobahn Clutch presents Not Your Way Volume 1. Like what's going to happen? How many more volumes? Dark Sheet gave me that confidence. Like if Joey Janela, if fucking Jimmy Floyd, if fucking Alley Cat, if fucking Effie, if these people are fucking branding themselves, you know, and Dark Sheik might get mad that I say this right now, but I doubt that Dark Sheik's going to listen to this whole thing. 
she said, she's like, what does Joey Janela got that you don't got? And, you know, that fucking sticks to me. That, she even said on this podcast, she said, I kind of wish I would have called it Dark Sheik's Hood Slam after I've seen all the stuff that's been going on. And there you go. And there you go, my man. There you go. So she told me this at her house. She's like, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm envy. I don't know if she said envious. She did say something that was very complimentary. She's just like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm very happy that you're going auto von clutch. And that was kind of her idea because honestly, I was, I don't know what I was going to name it. And the not your wave is like, fucking not your wave. Like people want to get booked on this show. Like, dude, if I didn't reach out to you, you're not on this show. Like the no favors. Fucking A, dude. Chris had probably, I don't want to say hundreds. Let's say at least 50 different workers try to hit him up to get on that show. It, the show is called No Favors. <laughs> like, if you weren't here building this shit up from the ground up, like, dude, Chris has spent <laughs> so much time, so much energy into this. And why is he doing this? He doesn't have to fucking do this. He doesn't have to pay fucking 10 grand a month to have this killer fucking menu. He's doing this for you at home. You at home watching on Twitch. You at home paying to fucking watch on. You, 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 I'm talking to you, the fucking podcaster. You coming out and watching our show, bro. You came all the way from fucking the Bay Area, right? You live yep. in the Bay, correct? Yeah, San Jose, yeah. Fucking A, you, you came from San Jose, California. Did you fly out? Yeah. So listen, I talked to literally like, we had, I know, our, I'll break the fifth wall again. I think we sold like 120 to 150 tickets. We had 120 people there. That was our final count was 120 for the night. And, uh, you know, I, I know I talked to a lot of them. They all fucking flew in from out of state. We had people from Idaho. We had people from fucking Seattle. People from LA. We have people from Northern California, like yourself. We have people from Texas. People came. Or yeah, uh, fucking what is that other town called? Phoenix, Arizona. They came from destinations to come here. Like we're just trying to revolutionize the business, bro. Like if you're at home and you're look, you're listening to this. This is your time. Reach out. Get yourself booked. Because when this takes off. We're not fucking slowing down for anyone because we're not fucking slowing down for shit. If you see what we're fucking doing, we're delivering the hottest product out there. The Super Beast Training Compound, we know we're not WWE, but we know we're special. So that's something that you got to watch out for. You know, we're bringing in big names and we're going to just deliver talent. I believe what's going to happen and it's going to happen because I know it's going to fucking happen because I'm on the pulse. WWE or AEW or New Japan or ROH, they're going to start cherry picking more than ever. They're going to start, I don't know if it's a fucking derogatory term. They're going to start taking people left and right, man. doesn't matter who the fuck you are. If I'm WWE, I want to hire Otto. He might not wrestle good. He could talk pretty good. I want to hire him. I want to hire Beast. He might be in his late 30s, but fuck it. He's still good. I want to hire the transgender sheik. You know, she's fucking amazing. Holy shit. This girl tells stories. There's all these different stories and you got fucking snap. And you got just shade and you got, you got all these people. Vegas is the hottest wrestling scene right now. Besides fucking Georgia. I believe because Georgia's hot right now. People are moving to Georgia left and right. And they're getting opportunities. 
but I believe we are representing the West Coast. You, my friend, the Indie Handshake podcast is representing the West Coast. This is what we do. We love the fans. We're going to deliver to the fans. If you don't know who Autobahn Clutch is, you know now. But it's pretty simple, man. We got shows. I'm going to just, I know you were going home. This is the go. Oh, no, that's actually perfect because I was going to say promote. Put yourself over, put over the compound, put over everything. Let's go. I literally got two full lists of fucking events. I got May 22nd and 23rd at the Mandalay Bay. For the first time ever, you're going to see Autobahn Clutch, Dark Sheik, fucking uh, Super Beast. The list goes on and on. Gangrel, my original trainer, is going to be at the Mandalay Bay at the G4 Expo. It is fucking a cannabis expo with Travis Barker, fucking Mike Tyson. The list goes on and on. That is May 22nd and 23rd. And then you got fucking June 10th, Not Your Wave, Volume 1. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Then we go over to the fucking No Styles Bearer, fucking on June 12th with fucking Brian Cage, Super Beast. The list goes on and on. And then we go to June 19th, where it's called the Vegas Beatdown. This is what's going on, bro. We're going to kick them when they're fucking down. I don't care if it's your 100-year anniversary. The Super Beast Training Compound is in Las Vegas, and we're going to deliver on the 19th. And then we have Dark Sheik on June 25th. Holy shit, the June month is hot. June 25th. Tickets are available now in Eventbrite. Dark Sheik quarterly invites you to Fearless, where they represent the LBGQ community, where the pride comes out, where all the folks that are out there, the gay wrestlers, the transgender wrestlers, the lesbian wrestlers, they get to be fucking represented, man. You know, because it's so like, you know how it is? Uh, You know, I'm sorry, how it is. Bottom line, I mean, if you want to come out of the closet or whatever you're fucking here, that's a huge deal. Bottom line, like I don't care what your beliefs or what your thought process is. Like to be able to have the, the the fearlessness to come out of the closet and to be strong and to you know to take fucking love in your sexuality. Fuck, this is what it's all about, man. We have fucking just passion. And then my final plug, fuck it. I won't even say it, but July. All I can say is one word. And I know, I know the super beast is gonna want to beat the shit out of me once he hears this, because he will listen. One word, giant, giant. In July, you're not going to want to miss it. All I can say is giants, giants, giants. It's going to be a big fucking show. And as always, I promote uh, Devotion Championship Wrestling, which is located in Salt Lake City, which every single Thursday night on Fight TV, you can watch it. And you can catch Autobahn Clutch on it. So, man, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I believe we're close to the two hour mark, which is pretty fucking impressive. But honestly, like I just, I thank all my fans tomorrow is not promised. Not saying I'm going to do anything stupid, but you never know. I can go driving and get in a car accident. I just love all the fans. I love everybody. I want to bring positivity to everybody. Even though I'm a bad guy in the ring, I just want to see everyone succeed. So thank you so much for having me on your show, bro. Like it fucking means the world to me, bro. Like I, I was really excited about this. I uh, was doing a lot of shit today, fucking doing some hiking and went to fucking a couple different uh, cities uh, in the area to promote the wrestling show. I just made sure I had to be back here for this because this was a fucking honor to be here on the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast, bro.
And if you don't know what that means, you're going to just have to think about it long enough and it might just come to you. There you go. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate you being on. You've been a fantastic guest. Fucking A, dude. You're like, go the fuck home 20 minutes ago. Holy shit. Not at all, brother. Thank you, guys. Follow Autobahn Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, on Twitter, everything at Autobahn Clutch. Yeah, bro. Cadabra. Don't touch the clutch.